Well, good morning, everyone. Um, big welcome to all of you here in Waukesha, those of you joining us in Pewaukee, and of course, everyone who's listening online. Thank you so much for making River Glen a part of your weekend. My name is Sue Vak, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I oversee the areas of group life and outreach. And we are in the middle of a series called Battle Ready, where we're studying through the book of Ephesians found in the New Testament. And Paul wrote this book to the church in Ephesus to remind them what it means to live a Christian life, especially in the face of opposition or hardship. And I think we've all faced hardship at some point in our life, haven't we? I have a good friend named Kathleen who has been facing some hardship for, for quite some time. A little over a year ago, um, she started experiencing some random physical symptoms that included pain in her neck that radiated all the way down her right-hand side. And for a while, she couldn't even walk or stand because of that pain. And through testing, she was diagnosed with Lyme's disease for the second time in her life. And she got some medication and started to feel better and even look healthy, but she still experienced an incredible amount of pain for an extended period of time. And she felt like she's been that battle for a really long time. And I think some of us, like Kathleen, are facing battles right now, things that are coming at us really hard in our relationships, in our health, in our workplace. And then some of us are facing internal battles, things like fear or worry or sadness. I feel like I'm in a little bit of an internal battle myself right now. Uh, recently, my oldest daughter moved out into her own apartment. And some of you know Molly and know that she's on the autism spectrum. And it's been her dream to live independently for a really long time. And she's doing it. But inside my mom heart, I'm battling with some sadness and some fear and some doubt about whether or not we've prepared her well enough for this step. And I want to release her to God and trust him for this stage in her life, but it's really hard. And I think battles can be draining. They're emotional. They can be discouraging. Um, sometimes it feels like they come out of nowhere, and sometimes they build up over time until we feel overwhelmed and isolated. And I think everyone in this room knows what the battlefield feels like. But what if, when the battles come, instead of feeling panic, we felt power? Instead of feeling fear, we embraced faith. Instead of worry, we chose confidence. And I think the book of Ephesians is the perfect place to find the truth we need when the battles come because it reminds us what's true about us as followers of Jesus. In the last several weeks, we've been reading through chapters 1 through 3, and we've learned that we can be ready for whatever we face in life because faith in Jesus makes us ready. Because of Jesus, we can say, I'm chosen, and I'm strong, I'm alive, and I'm filled, and I've been so encouraged. And if you've missed any of the weeks so far, please go to our messages page on our website and get caught up. But today we're turning a corner in the book of Ephesians because we're moving into chapter four. And we're gonna drill down into verses one through 13 to discover what Paul has to say next about being battle ready. So go ahead and open your Bible, if you have it, or your Bible app to Ephesians chapter four, verse one. And this chapter starts with the word, therefore. And the word therefore is a hinge word because it hinges chapters 1 through 3 with chapters 4 through 6. And when we read the scriptures, it's important to, to notice those hinge words because they connect ideas and teaching. I heard a preacher say once that when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you should ask yourself, what is it there for? 
So what Paul is saying here is in light of what it means to know God in chapters one through three, I'm now going to tell you the difference that knowing God should make in your life for the rest of the letter. And today we're going to focus specifically on what it means to put into practice the very first verse of Ephesians chapter four. And here's what it says. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. What does it mean to lead a life worthy of our calling? Well, we're going to work our way through the first half of this chapter and unpack how each one of us has been gifted by God to live out what he's called us to do and how living out that calling is going to make us battle-ready. This weekend, we're going to embrace another I statement, the statement, I'm gifted. And I want you to leave here today believing that to be true. So throughout my message, I'm going to put the statement, I'm gifted for my calling, up on the screen. And I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me. So let's start now. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. I'm gifted for my calling. Okay, you don't sound too convinced yet, but hopefully you'll be more convinced as we get all the way through. So let's continue reading in verse 2. It says, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. So Paul says that living out our calling starts with unity. It starts with remembering that we're all in this together. And as Christ followers, we should live out humility and gentleness and patience with one another. We're called to show the world that we love each other so much that we can make allowances for each other's faults because guess what? We all have them. Isn't that the truth? And we can live on our calling together in peace because of all the things that we have in common. Look at the list again here in verses four through six. There's one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope. He's talking about heaven there. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father. And when we focus on what we have in common, the foundation of what we all believe, the result is unity. And living a life worthy of our calling starts with unity among believers. I think sometimes people in the church like to complain or argue about differences in their preferences for style and practice of worship. Things like the music is too loud or the communion time is too short. And I, we all have preferences about those things. But following Jesus isn't really about what we prefer about the weekend service, is it? It's about what, how God wants to use us in the world. And so when we can speak with other Christ followers who have different preferences from us, and we can say things like, isn't it great that we have the same Holy Spirit living in both of our hearts? Isn't it awesome that we have the same hope of heaven because we have the same faith in the same God? And when we can say those things and focus on what we have in common, unity and peace result. And when the church is in a battle against the lie that peace is not possible in this world, Christ followers can stand firm, speaking the truth about love and faith and forgiveness. So let's keep reading in verse 7 because we have another one of those hinge words in verse 7. It's the word, however. Yes, we have a lot in common that helps us live a life worthy of our calling. However, 
There is some diversity among us when we follow Jesus, and that diversity is in how God has gifted each of us uniquely to live out our calling. Verse 7 says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Christ has gifted us for our calling. Let's say it together again. I'm gifted for my calling. Okay, definitely getting stronger. As we keep moving down in verse 8, Paul references a section of the Old Testament from Psalm 68. It's a reference to a warrior that goes off to battle and then returns to his people with gifts, kind of like spoils of war. And Jesus went to battle for us against death, and he defeated death by going to the cross in our place. He came back to life on the third day and then later ascended into heaven fully alive, but he left us with gifts, didn't he? He left the Holy Spirit behind to live in each one of us, a spirit that strengthens us and fills us with power, just like Ben talked about last weekend. And that same Holy Spirit has given each one of us a unique gift so that we can live a life worthy of our calling. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what God has called you to do for his kingdom? How does God want you to contribute to the work that he's doing here on earth? How does he want to use you to equip the church for the battles ahead? Well, here's how you might start to figure out your calling from God. As you draw closer and closer to God, you might start to sense a pull towards a certain way to serve God and other people. And as you get involved in different ministry areas, you're going to discover what you're really good at and what you really love to do. Now, discovering your calling might not be dramatic. It might happen quietly, even methodically. But over time, you're going to start to feel that you found the thing that God put you on planet Earth to do. When you discover and start to live out your calling, you're going to find both success, what you're really good at, and satisfaction, what you really love to do. I want to tell you about a gentleman in our church named Brad. Brad serves in the kid life classrooms with four and five-year-olds, and he's been doing that for almost 11 years. And Brad told me that he's always loved kids. He's a dad and a grandpa, but he originally thought that kid life was only looking for female volunteers. But one weekend, there was a specific call for more volunteers everywhere in the church, and so he decided to serve with the population that he already loved. And he says he's never regretted that decision. He's told me that parents and teachers have commented over the years that he has kind of a special ability to connect with kids and teach them about faith. But the best part for him are the feelings of joy and accomplishment and worth that have increased inside of him over time. He's grown in his own journey of faith, even while he's helping our kids to grow in theirs. He's found both success and satisfaction. Now, your calling may or may not be the same as your career. For some people, they work in one place, but they feel called to something else. You might work in a manufacturing plant, but feel called to help people get a handle on their finances so that they can give more generously to the work that God is doing. Brad works during the day um, making dentures, and he's been doing it for a long time, so he's probably gotten pretty good at it, but he feels called to serve children on the weekends. Now, of course, you definitely can fulfill your calling within your career. I have a friend who's trained as a firefighter and an EMT, and she's been equipped to live out her calling of helping under-resourced countries as they recover from natural disasters. She's gone on many mission trips where she uses her skills to help local people live more healthy and safe in their communities. 
The bottom line is that when you narrow in on what God has called you to do, it can be a game changer for how you live. You can stay focused on living out your calling from God. You don't need to be jealous of other people's callings because that's what God designed them to do. And you don't expect other people to be as passionate as you are about how God has called you to serve him and the church because that's what God designed you to do. And this is how God created the body of Christ, with each person gifted for their own calling. Say it again. I'm gifted for my calling. Okay, sounding great, church. Let's keep working through the passage to see what some of these unique gifts are that Paul lists in verse 11. Here's what it says. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Now, this is just one place in the New Testament where Paul lists spiritual gifts that are given to believers. There's also gifts listed in the books of 1 Corinthians, chapters 12 and 14. There's gifts listed in Romans, chapter 12. And we've put the specific um, verses at the bottom of your outline so that you can go and look up those passages and read them for yourselves. But some of the gifts that you'll find in those lists that are on your outline, they're the same as the ones that are listed here in Ephesians chapter 4, but there's also other gifts that are listed, things like serving or faith or encouragement. You might have the gift of wisdom or giving or knowledge, but the one thing that all the passages have in common is this theme, that every believer has been given at least one gift. So let's look specifically at these gifts, gifts that are listed here in verse 11. And as I describe them, think about your own experience and whether or not one of these gifts resonates with you. Or maybe somebody you know will come to mind. And God might want to use you to affirm a gift in someone else. And that might be what they need to be motivated to start using that gift um, for God. The first gift listed here is being an apostle. Now, I believe that Paul is speaking in this passage specifically about the apostles that were named in the New Testament. That would include the 12 that followed Jesus in the Gospels, plus Paul, because all of them were charged with taking the good news into the world following the resurrection. But today, a person with an apostolic-type gift would be someone who's gifted to do pioneering missionary work, um, like those first apostles did in the New Testament. Things like um, church planters or missionaries or individuals who are driven to start new ministries to meet a spiritual need. All of those people would have an apostolic-type gift. The next gift listed is being a prophet. And in other places in the New Testament, this gift is also called the gift of prophecy. Now, many people think that this gift means that you can see into the future, but actually this word means to speak forth. So someone with a, a gift of prophecy is someone who can proclaim or speak forth the word of God, and they feel a burden to speak that truth to people of God's word to other people. In the Old Testament, prophets were sent um, to, to remind people what God said about how they were to worship and follow, as, follow him as they lived. And someone with the gift of prophecy today, it seems like they can recognize sinful behavior really clearly in themselves and in other people or the world. And that insight usually prompts them to pray diligently for the brokenness in this world. So the third gift in this passage is evangelists. And a person with a gift of evangelism has a burden for those who don't know Jesus quite yet. And they have a, are gifted in making the good news really relevant and clear to unbelievers. They have a really easy time sharing their own personal story of faith, and they do it often. Some of you might be here today 
because someone with the gift of evangelism shared their faith story with you. One of our life group leaders holds his group at a local coffee shop in Waukesha specifically because he loves when other people ask him what the group is about or what faith is about. And he loves to tell people his story about how he first started to follow Jesus. He told me recently that his wife can tell when he's about to get into a spiritual conversation with someone he just met, and so she'll go off to their car and she'll pick up some literature that he keeps there about what it means to be a Christ follower, and he'll turn to go get it and she'll be right there handing it to him. He's using his gift of evangelism. The final two gifts listed in this passage are pastors and teachers. And these two gifts are joined together because they often work hand in hand. Pastors and teachers do the work of leading and feeding believers. Sometimes that pastor gift is called shepherding because it's all about helping people as they grow in faith and leading them to do the next thing that they need to learn or do as a follower of Christ. As people come to faith in Jesus, pastors and teachers set them on a path to growth. If you love to help people learn more about what it means to follow Jesus, you might be gifted this way. Oftentimes, the pastor and teacher gift manifests itself in the person that stands up front at church and teaches from the Bible. But there are many of you who are using your pastoring and teaching gifts in other ways, with your family or your group or your friends. And some of you are pastoring and teaching other believers where you work or even in your neighborhood. And I believe that the gifts of pastor and teacher are the biggest need in the church as people start to follow Jesus. I'm going to take a little drink here. Therefore, and here's your hinge word for our time together. Therefore, I want to challenge us to do two things as a result of studying this passage of Ephesians. First, I want all of us to discover our gift. One of these gifts might have resonated with you as I described, and you're having a little bit of an aha moment right now. For the first time, you're putting words to the thing that you've always felt passionate to do for God. And some of you might be still unsure a little bit of your spiritual gift. So a good question to ask yourself to help you discover how you might be gifted is this. What do other people, especially other believers, come to me for? What do people come to me for? The answer to that question might reveal how you've been gifted by God to live out your calling. If people come to you for information, you might be gifted with the gift of knowledge or teaching. If people come to you for advice, you might have the gift of wisdom or shepherding. If people come to you for reassurance, you might have the gift of encouragement or faith or mercy. Another way that you can discover your spiritual gift is to take a spiritual gifts assessment. Everyone who goes through the Rooted Group experience has an opportunity to take this assessment. And in fact, the Rooted Groups just finished their lesson on spiritual gifts a couple weeks ago. And my daughter Lauren is in a Rooted Group right now, and she told me that she didn't realize how high her gift of mercy was until she took the assessment. It reminded her that one of the reasons that she feels so much empathy for others who are hurting is because God has uniquely gifted her to reach out and care and be a good listener for those who are in pain. You can find the spiritual gifts assessment on our website. We went ahead and put the address on your outline, but it's also really easy to find on our website. You just click on the menu from the homepage and then look under the next steps heading and then click on the serve page. 
The assessment is completely free, and it'll give you an explanation of the gifts where you score the highest, as well as some suggestions about how you can use that gift in the church or in the community. Now, if you're still wondering, why do I need to know my gift? I want to remind you what Paul said in verse 1. He challenged us to live a life worthy of our calling. And if God has called you and gifted you to do something for him and you don't do it, it probably won't get done. We can't assume that somebody else will take care of it because another person won't live out your calling in the unique way that God has wired you and gifted you to do it. Turn to the person next to you and firmly remind them you are gifted for your calling. Go ahead. That's right. We all need to be reminded now and then. So secondly, once we discover our gift, um, it's important that we use our gift. So let's continue to read in the rest of this passage, starting in verse 12, to see the results of using the gift that God has given to all believers. This is what it says. To prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What Paul is saying here is that using our spiritual gift has a direct correlation to preparing the rest of God's people for their own works of service. And living out our calling by using our gift results in unity, the very thing that Paul urged the Ephesians to promote back in verse 3. As we use our spiritual gifts, there's more unity of faith, everyone believing what God is capable of. And there's unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, everyone knowing who Jesus is, and why he had to save us. And then the final result is maturity. Paul describes maturity as having the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the more we use our spiritual gifts, the more we understand the full life and love and power that comes from being a follower of Jesus. Using our gifts makes us stronger and more battle-ready as individuals and as a church. And when you use your gift, you're helping to make others in the church ready for the battles that come. When we encourage other people to discover and start to use their gifts, we're playing a part in making sure that they are ready when battles come their way. A church full of individuals that are steadily and regularly discovering and using their gifts becomes more healthy and mature. Please hear this today. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a gift, and everyone's gift is needed. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul says this, You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God loved you so much that he planned how he was going to gift you before you were born. God had a dream about the work that you were going to be gifted to do in his kingdom. I hope that makes you feel special and important because you are. Let's say it together again. I'm gifted for my calling. You're really starting to sound convinced, and that gets me excited about the potential in this church. Further down in chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says that the whole body, meaning the whole church, is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, and the church grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, ligaments in the human body are small. We measure their width in millimeters, But we all know that when a ligament gets torn or damaged, a major injury results. 
an injury that keeps a person from walking or running. And for an athlete, a torn ligament can take you out of play for an entire season. In the same way that ligaments hold the human body together, the church needs every one of us using our unique gifts so that we can be the very best body of Christ that we can be, so we can reach the whole world with the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, we offer a great opportunity for you to learn about places within the church that you can use your gift. Um, we have a volunteer every six weeks or so where you can explore all the places that you can volunteer or serve on the weekends. And our volunteer hosts can help you to match your gift to a place of service. Every believer has at least one gift. That's what God promised. But most of us, many of us, have more than one gift. And just because you don't have a certain gift right now doesn't mean that God won't give it to you at some point in the future. Let me tell you a little bit about my gifts. For a long time, I've used my gift of shepherding by leading groups. And I love to help people feel connected. And I wanted them to help people find the very best place that they could get connected within the church. And even before I started working in the group life area, I felt called to match people to their place of ministry within the church. And over the years, I've had a lot of people kind of jokingly tell me that it's my fault that they volunteer or serve where they've landed because I might have suggested that they would be good at that. But at first, within the life groups that I was a part of, I didn't really prefer to be the teacher. I actually liked it when somebody else was playing that role. But as I've been encouraged and built up by people like Ben Davis, our lead pastor, or my husband Steve, who are both really good teachers, I've started to grow more confident and grow in my teaching gift. And over time, Ben started to see that gift emerge in me as well. And so he gave me opportunities to develop that gift and then to use it to build up the whole church. As you use your gift in the context of your calling, God will expand your gift. And he might even open your eyes to new gifts that he wants you to use. So I want to challenge you today to discover your gift. Read the passages where the gifts are listed in the Bible. Talk to those who know you well. Ask them how they think you might be gifted. And then take the test to see if what you're discovering is what the test shows. And then start to use your gift. You're needed in the church and in God's kingdom to do the thing that God uniquely designed you to do. If you're convinced, let's say it one more time with conviction on the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm gifted for my calling. Yes, you are. Well, as I wrap up today, I want to tell you what I've been doing the last couple of weeks. I had the privilege of getting to help distribute the money that um, was given during the big offering giveaway. And you were all so generous that we've been able to increase the gifts that we're giving to some of the partners that we showed you in the video. And so for the past two weeks, we've been giving money away to the special needs area um, in the offering. And many of these partnerships, they include an opportunity for any one of us to volunteer or serve in the future. So we were able to send $15,000 directly to Missions of Hope in Kenya. And they're making plans to build their special needs classroom. They're going to send us video and pictures as it progresses. And Wallace and Mary Kamau, who lead Missions of Hope, they were overwhelmed by your generosity. And they're making plans to come here in 2020, and they're going to make a stop here at River Glen so they can say thank you in person. 
I was also able to personally deliver checks to both the Good Friend and Team Up with Families organizations, and both amounts were increased from our original plan. And these groups are going to spread the message of inclusion for people of all abilities in our schools and our communities. But I want you to see some video from inside a warehouse that's run by Team Up with Families. It's called Katie's Closet, and it stores medical supplies and equipment that a person with a disability might need over their lifetime. So families donate items that they're no longer using or they've outgrown, and then new families pick up expensive items free of charge. I was blown away by the service that this organization, Team Up, is providing in our community, and I wish all of you could have been there to see what's going on there and to see the tears in their eyes as I presented them with a check from all of you. These ladies are using their gifts to serve a population that needs so much support. And God is blessing their efforts through your generosity. Well, we've also started to plan for our Night to Shine prom that's coming up in February with an increased budget from the offering, and I'm really excited to make the prom even more special this year. But right now, we're planning a special friend's Christmas party for teens and adults with special needs. It's a way to encourage friendships and to give parents and caregivers a much-needed rest. And maybe jumping in to serve with one of these events or organizations is the way that God wants you to use your unique spiritual gift. We're gonna need people with the gift of hospitality to create environments at these events that are fun and engaging. We're gonna need people with the gift of leadership to help keep us organized and on track. And we're gonna need people with the gift of mercy to show care and compassion to this special population so keep an eye on your What's Happening email and our website so that you can sign up and get involved. Don't forget, you're gifted for your calling. Say that to yourself over and over again this week. I'm gifted for my calling. As we move into a time of communion, I want to remind you that the book of Ephesians was written to people who already believed. They already had a foundation of faith in Jesus and they had accepted that salvation offered by his death on the cross. And we pause to take communion each week to remember that we received salvation when we believed. And that salvation was sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, living in our hearts and giving each one of us a unique gift to live out our calling. And if you're here today and you haven't taken that step of faith to believe and receive the gift of salvation, then you haven't yet received your unique spiritual gift. But the invitation is open to you today. As the communion trays are passed, if you're ready to take that step of faith to follow Jesus, it starts by believing that he went to the cross for you. His death provides forgiveness for your sins, and he wants to send his Holy Spirit to live in you today. Don't wait to take hold of all the gifts that he offers you. Being battle ready starts with faith in Jesus. And then the unique gifts that he's given us build us up in that faith. We'll pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the gifts that you've given each one of us. We're grateful and humbled to be partners with you in expanding your kingdom and building up your church. God, help us, first of all, to choose unity and peace with our fellow believers. Give us the grace 
to make allowances for the differences among us and help us to focus on what we have in common, your Holy Spirit living in us. Help us to discover the way that you have gifted us and then to step into those gifts to serve others in the church and in the community. Help us to live our lives in a way that is worthy of the calling and unique giftedness from you. And Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here today who hasn't yet chosen to follow you, God, I pray that you would nudge their hearts to surrender their lives to you so they can receive all that you offer when we become a child of God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.